We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Hello, Southridge friends and family. I'm so excited to see you. Thank you for joining us once again. I hope that these messages bring hope, bring encouragement, and they help you to find and follow Jesus. That is the mission vision of Southridge Church. I would love for you to put your name in the comments and where you're watching from. We wanna create an online community and you're a part of that. I consider you a part of our church. And so we'd love to get to know you by name. Love to see you in the chat. So please put it in there. Also, I wanna welcome those. If this is your first time here, please let us know. Put it in the chat, this is your first time. We have online hosts that are ready to field any questions, pray with you, encourage you, because we know that right now is a discouraging time. We know it can be lonely, and so we want you to know that you're not alone. Southridge Church cares about you, and we wanna be an extension of the love of God, showing you how much you matter. And so we're so glad that you took the time to tune in. And also, would you do me a favor? Would you share this message? I believe what we're gonna cover today is so important and life-changing. So hit that share button, hit the like button. If you're watching on any channel that allows you to subscribe, we'd love for you to subscribe. Also, if you would like to take notes during this message, you can download our notes. You say, how do I do that, Pastor? Type in on your mobile device, type in Southridge app to the number 77977. Once again, Southridge app to 77977. This will give you not only the notes, but also it'll give you past sermons. It'll give you updating content. It'll keep you in the know what's happening with our church and you can stay connected because we want you to continue to thrive even in a, uh, a difficult season like this. So if you have a copy of God's word, we're gonna be back in 2 Peter chapter number one. And I'm so glad for many of you that uh, watched last week. And if you didn't get to view it, I'm gonna encourage you to go back because we're in a brand new series entitled Christian. And last week I asked all of you watching, I asked you a question. What is your definition of a Christian? And man, did we get some great definitions. But one thing I'd noticed is that no definition was the same. Everybody had a different definition and they all had good points. So we want to come back to the fact that what is a Christian? Who gets to define it? One person told me that said, if you define it, you control it. And so we need to come back to what is the definition? What is a Christian? And we said last week that we wanna move from concept Christianity to conviction-based Christianity, where it's not just an idea, pie in the sky Christianity, but it's something that we hold deep in the marrow of our bones, in the core of our hearts, that we know that we are a Christian. We said a Christian means little Christ. It means a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And so we wanna build on that. So last week I entitled the message that uh, we said was Christian more than a label, because that we are more than a label. This week, I wanna entitle this Christian more than a book because we're gonna be looking at God's word. Because last week I said there's three ways to approach Christianity. You can approach Christian activity as simply something you live by what's assumed is proper Christian activity. But when it comes to God's word, we can't live by assumptions. We can't just assume what is right and wrong. We can't just assume. Many times we can assume things about people and oftentimes we're mistaken. Oftentimes we're wrong. You know you've had a coworker that you assumed was a jerk was a moron and then you got to know them and you're like, they're the best, you love them. 
you maybe even had assumed that the person you married was maybe a loser or an idiot or something. I don't know. And yet, once you got to know him, you fell in love with him and you ended up marrying him. And so I don't want to talk about any squabbles or start any fights here online, but some of you know that our assumptions often can be wrong. Many of us have even made the mistake of walking up to a woman and asking her, when is she due? And then she gives us a puzzled look and says, what do you mean, when am I due? And then we just kind of slink back in shame, all right? Because our assumptions are often wrong. So if you and I live our Christian life based on assumptions, we're going to be wrong. Especially if somebody challenges us. Like, why do you do that? Or why do you believe that? And if you just say, because so, that's not a good answer. The Bible wants us to have an answer for every man that asks us about the hope that lies within you. So we need to have a reason. So we can't just live by assumption. So many of you, your Christian faith is based on assumption, something you assumed that was passed down from your parents or grandparents, or maybe you went to a Christian school, youth group, church. Maybe you didn't grow up going to church or Christian parents, but it's still just something you assume. You watch some uh, B-rated Christian movie and uh, you kind of assume what is right and wrong. So you can't live by what is assumed, but then there's another thing that people do. They live by what is culturally accepted Christianity. They're what's culturally relevant. And here's what I've noticed. Cultural Christianity is always changing, but is that what God wants us to constantly be changing, to fit the culture, to fit the cultural narrative, to uh, please everybody but Jesus, to please everybody but God, to keep all the politicians happy, to keep all the media happy. That's accepted Christianity. And I don't think that's really what God meant. Uh, So when it comes to Christianity, we can't live by assumptions or what is culturally accepted because what is culturally accepted is always a moving target. And you're gonna be frustrated by that. So we can't go by what's culturally accepted. So there needs to be an authority. Somebody has to be able to tell us what is Christian behavior. And that's where the Bible comes in. But what's happened over the last several decades is there's been an erosion in trust in God's word. I've seen it happen from pulpits that talk about that the, you don't need to look at the Old Testament. There have been people that have brought up that, hey, the Bible's full of contradictions and errors and it's written by men and it's just a book that sits on a shelf. And so for some of you, that might be the case. For some of you, you have a Bible, but it's on a shelf or it's on a coffee table, a nightstand, somewhere in your house, maybe in the attic, maybe in the basement, maybe in the garage, maybe in your car, maybe you've forgotten where it's at. So do me a favor right now, put in the chat and let me know, where's your Bible? Come on, don't be shy, put it in the chat. Where is your Bible? And don't be afraid to say, it's right here with me, pastor, I've got it open. Or maybe you have a digital Bible. Tell me where it's at in the comments because there's something sacred about the word of God. But our culture has lost its sacredness for the word of God. Whenever a president is sworn in, they put their hand on God's word. Whenever you go into court and you're going to uh, testify and give witness, they have you put a hand on God's word. But yet we've seen people who put a hand on the Bible who still will lie under oath. What does that tell me? We don't have a reverence for this book. I've seen people that when it comes to the Bible, they don't care what it says. They just treat it like trash. And so God's word was never meant to be treated like trash because it's more than a book. It's more than just the Quran. It's more than just uh, the Book of Mormon. It's more than just uh, some, a book from Scientology or from L. Ron Hubbard. This is something that is sacred. And I want you to see that today. So let's dive in. You have a copy of God's word? If not, download our app and you'll get it. Second Peter chapter number one. Let's go back to Peter and let's study what his words have to say. Beginning in verse number five. 
but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And last week we talked about that, that faith begins not in what we believe, but in who we believe. And I pray that you made that decision. I pray that Jesus is your savior, that you believed in Jesus. So it's not about what we believe, but in who we believe. But then he does say, but add to your faith, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are in a relationship, you're married, you're dating, you're engaged, or you have been in a relationship, learning about that person you're in love with was key to a healthy relationship, wasn't it? It's key that we learn about Jesus and God. You say, well, pastor, how do I learn about Jesus and God? This book. You see, when you read God's word, you get to know his will and his way. Many of you struggle about God's will. God's will, should I move here? Should I marry them? Should I take that job? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should they be my friends? Should I act a certain way? God has a will concerning those things. But not only does God have a will, he has a way. Some of you watching have lost a loved one. Some of you watching have lost a job. Some of you watching have gone through deep betrayal and hurt and crisis. And sometimes you don't understand God's way. And I've been through my share of betrayal and hurt and loss, just like you have. So God's word gives us understanding to his ways. You see, the Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, that God is higher. Just like my children don't under, always understand why I tell that there's a certain bedtime and why I tell them they need to eat their fruits and vegetables. They don't understand that I have a way. You are a good parent, you understand that. And so God is our heavenly father. So he has a will and he has a way for our life. You say, but how do I understand that? You see, God doesn't want you to be guessing in the dark. As a matter of fact, he doesn't want you in the dark at all. That's why he says, my word is a light to your feet and a light unto your path. You see, God wants to give you clarity towards the future, clarity towards what you should do, but it comes with knowledge of God's word. You say, but pastor, can I really trust God's word? Can I really trust it? After all, pastor, wasn't it written by men? Notice what Peter says towards the end of this chapter, beginning in verse number 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Prophetic word? This is a prophetic word. I'll show you. Confirmed, which you do well to heed. What's the word heed? You would do well to listen to it. This is for your help. As a light that shines in dark places. So God's word is illuminating things. It's illuminating what is going on. There are things that are happening in the world right now you don't understand, but God will illuminate to you. Some of you have the gift of discernment and you see what's happening. You see the changes that are being made. You see what's going on. So God illumines and he shines in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. For the prophecy, talking about God's word, never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He's talking about how we got God's word. See, God's word is inspired, but it wasn't just guys sat down in some cave in ancient antiquities and started to write some moral truths, some good thoughts. No, no, no. The Bible says it was God breathed, meaning God spoke through these men. Now, for some of you, you may not be able to grasp that. And you say, I don't know. How is it reliable? Those were just men. 
You and I, we're, we're men and women. We make mistakes. Didn't they make mistakes? So let's dive into it. You see, the Bible for many of us is a book of predictions, or you could use the word prophecies. And so when it comes to the person of Jesus, there were so many prophecies made about him. There were eight specific prophecies mentioned about Jesus. Eight specific prophecies that we can point to. Eight specific prophecies that we know. There was a prophecy about when Jesus would be born, in what tribe he would be born, in what town he would be born, that he would also be called uh, from the Nazareth, that he would go to Egypt, that he would be betrayed, that he would be silenced, that he would die on a cross, that they would take his robe. There was eight specific prophecies pointing to Jesus. Eight. Now, here's the thing. Jesus fulfilled over 60 prophecies. See, the Bible spans over 1,500 years. And so for Jesus to fulfill over 60 prophecies is incredible. When we hear the word prophecy, we think of some uh, movie like Lord of the Rings or, or some, some uh, uh, a C.S. Lewis thing or some fantasy film. So I need you to understand, those films usually talk about one prophecy. But Jesus, there was eight specific, but he filled, fulfilled over 60. Now let's just say he just fulfilled those eight, okay? That would be the equivalent of the chances of him fulfilling eight is one out of 10 to the 17th power. Now, that's so many zeros, the best way to liken it is if we filled the entire state of Texas with uh, 50 cent pieces and we filled the entire state two feet deep. So imagine a state as big as Texas filled two feet deep with half dollars and then we take one half dollar and we put a red X through it and we throw it into the state and we tell somebody, go find it. That's the chances of fulfilling those eight prophecies. And Jesus fulfilled over 60 specific prophecies. So God's word is more than predictions. It's promises, my friend. So when God talks about his word, understand you can trust it. From Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, his word is true. It's true for you. It's true for me. It's truths will in, influence us, influence our minds and behaviors. I said last week, when you transform your mind, you transform your life. And when we allow God's word to get in us, it gets through us and in and out of us. So this morning, we need to understand that God's word is reliable, that God's word is more than predictions. It's promises. It's promises about who Jesus is, what he would do, when he would come, and that he would go to heaven. But it's not just promises about Jesus or God in heaven. It's promises about you and I. It's promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It's the promise that he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. It's the promise to the widow, to the orphan, to the down and out, to the up and out, to the one who's suffering from job loss, to the one who's suffering from depression and isolation, from the one feeling alone and vulnerable, to the one who is hurting, to the one who is homeless. There are promises that you and I can trust. You and I can take to the bank, so to speak. So the Bible is more than prediction. The Bible is more than that. But you say, I don't fully grasp the Bible. How does one understand the Bible? Here's what you need to know about the Bible. The Bible has one hero, it's Jesus. The Bible has one enemy, that's Satan. The Bible has one problem, that's sin. And the Bible only has one solution, and that's salvation. That's the Bible, that's what it's all about. The Bible points to who Jesus is. Now, many of you read the Bible to encourage yourself and not to see who Jesus is. You see, when you get a big view of Jesus, a big view of God, understand you have a small view of yourself and problems. 
Many times you and I have problems, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial, because we're focused on ourselves and not on God. When we turn our eyes on him, when we look into his word and we see his word, we see its truths and we pour into them. My grandmother lost her husband shortly after she immigrated to the United States. My father was eight years old when he lost his father. And so when her husband died in the hospital alone, and maybe you've suffered that through this COVID crisis, her pastor showed up at her house in the middle of the evening. You see, my father did not know that when he went to bed that night, the last he knew was his dad was still alive. He didn't know that during the night his dad has passed. And so my Oma, my grandmother, she sat at her kitchen table and her pastor said, in the morning, you're gonna have to tell your four children that they've lost their father. I can't imagine what my grandmother went through. I can't imagine the anxiety, the isolation and the loneliness and the depression and the deep tragic sorrow that began to swell over her heart. But her pastor gave her profound wisdom that's fed my faith and fueled me through these dark days. And her pastor said, I want you to go through the Bible and find every promise that is given to the widow and to the orphan and you claim it as your own. So when she woke up, and so I mean when the children woke up and when the dawn light broke, she had the promises of God's word to stand on her. Not a wishful thinking, but a hopeful thinking rooted in God's word. Something that is ageless and timeless and something that God stands by. You see, God's word is what we put our hope and trust. So when we say that we as a church, we as a community are gonna make it through this crisis, we are standing by the authority of God's word that we will make it through, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will be with you. God is there. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, but God is still there. Understand that God has not abandoned you right now. You may be suffering right now, but God is with you. That's a promise, but we find it in God's word, not humanistic thinking. You don't need alcohol to make you feel better. You don't need drugs to make you feel better. You don't need sex to make you feel better. You don't need any any self-soothing. You don't need any of those coping mechanisms. What you need to do is to grind a copy of God's word and say, you know what, God, I need this word to get inside of me. I need this word to be in my heart and in my soul because this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. So this, this morning, this evening, this afternoon, wherever you're viewing, wherever you're watching this, understand the power of God's word. God's word is called likened unto a sword. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and sinners, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's God's word. It's power. It can work in your life. It can direct you if you allow it. The Bible says in Psalms 119, that word is, it's a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. And if we will hide its words in my heart, I won't sin against God. So we've got to bury it deep in our hearts. We've got to get it inside of us. So it's so important that we understand the subject of the Bible is Jesus. It's not about you and I. It's about Jesus. Its supreme end is the glory of God. That its supreme goal is to give glory to God. But it's also to tell us that you and I are lost sinners in need of a savior and that there is a way of redemption through salvation in Jesus Christ. I can't earn my way to heaven, work my way to heaven. It is only through him. You see, God's word tells us how to get to heaven. It says, for not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but through his free gift of salvation. You see, that's how we get to heaven. So when it comes to God's word, we need to do a couple things. We need to read it through. Would you begin right now saying, you know what? I need to read God's word through. Because as we continue to grow in our series, we're gonna talk about some things, but we need to have an understanding, a foundation written on the Bible. 
We live in a country that's tried to strip away God's word, pull out the monuments across our country that have scripture on it, to take down in God we trust off of our currency, to strip out that under God is the oath that we swear on when we step into a courtroom. They're trying to take all mention of God. In 1967, we stripped it out of the public school and look at the mess the schools are in. God bless every teacher working hard. God bless them, but I see more often than not, we see in our schools, we see suicide, we see uh, teen pregnancy, we see opioid addiction, we see even uh, uh, teachers abusing young girls and boys. You see all kinds of horrific things. Why? Because we've taken God and we've said, we can do things without you. And it's time that God's people say, God's word means everything. That we get God's word back as central. When I was 13 years old, I made a decision that for my birthday, I wanted a Bible. I've always loved God's word. I've always wanted a copy of God's word. I wanna memorize deep portions of it. I want it in my life. And when I talk with somebody, I wanna be able to pour out God's word and scripture. And every Sunday and every time I get up to speak, I remember one truth that God's word is the central power. You see, God's word will work if we work it. If we will rely on God's word, it'll comfort our hearts. It'll convict us where it needs to convict. It'll move us from this convenience Christianity to conviction-based Christianity. It's the word that will work in our lives. It's the word that'll work in our marriages. It's the word that'll work in our parenting. It's the word of God that'll instruct you in your finances. It's the word of God that'll instruct you in your businesses. It's the word of God that'll instruct you in our courthouses, in our schoolhouses, and in your houses. It's gonna be God's word that's gonna inform our politicians. It's God's word where we go into an election booth that we should say, where the candidate that most reflects God's word, not one that just lives by expediency, not a candidate that just simply says, you know what, I'm going to go and just kind of what's culturally relevant or popular. We need people that once again say God's word is first and foremost in their life and it needs to be deep in our hearts. So we need to read it through. We need to read God's word and the way we read it is we read it thoroughly. We let God's word get in us. We read it slowly. We read it frequently and we read it prayerfully. So read God's word through, but then live it out. Live out God's word. You see, God's word is so important. We need to live it out. We need to get its truth and understand what is right and wrong. What we're seeing in Minneapolis is travesty. It's heartbreaking. And we need to come back and say, God's word speaks to that. It speaks to the inequality. It speaks to the hatred. It speaks to the racism. It speaks to what social justice looks like. And that's why we need to live out God's word. And if the Christian community would rise up and say, once again, we stand on the authority of God's word, not on what we assume and not what we think is accepted. We need to live it out. But then finally, we need to pass it on. The Bible is called the gospel. Good news. We first got this word at the Battle of Marathon. You see, in antiquity, there was a great war that was fought. And a lone soldier came back to announce what had happened at the battle. And when he came back to the city gates, he announced one word. He announced the word gospel, which means good news. The Bible says this, Jesus, one of his last commandments before he left earth and ascended to be with the Father, he said in Mark 15, 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. What I hold in my hands is the good news for every person. It's good news for you. It's good news for me. It's good news for the person who's watching. It's good news for your neighbor. It's good news for your husband. It's good news for your spouse. It's good news for your children. It's good news for your teacher. It's good news for your business partner. It's good news for your politician. It's good news for your friends and family. The word of God is good news. Live it out. Pass it on. God's word needs to be first and foremost because for a Christian, this is more than a book. Amen. Well, God bless you and thank you so much for watching.
I'm so glad you spent this time with us. I would love to connect with you in a real way. So every Sunday at six o'clock, I do what's called after hangs. And so in the chat, in the comments, you'll see a link that you can join me in a Zoom call. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to get to know your name because if you're new and you want to grow in your walk with Christ, I want to be there with you to help you. If you need a copy of God's word, we want to supply that to you. If you made a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to be there to encourage your spiritual walk. So join me every Sunday at 6 p.m. on a Zoom call. Bring your friends and family. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you want to grow deeper. Maybe you need to get connected with a church. We would love to consider you part of our Southridge family. Also, stay connected with us. Download our church app. You can download our church app by texting the word Southridge app to 77977. Thank you for your generosity, for those who weekly support the ministry of Southridge Church as we continue to provide meals and groceries, as we take care of the poor and the homeless, as we reach out. I thank you for your generosity. May you continue to give generously. I know you're in a season of hurt, but understand everything that you contribute to Southridge Church goes back to the support of those who are hurting during this difficult time. So thank you from our church. I wanna say we deeply appreciate you. We're praying for you and we're here for you. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting southridgesanjose.com slash connect. Again, that's southridgesanjose.com slash connect.